Blog Talk Radio.
wonderful Andre Crouch. May he rest in peace, rest in heaven, Andre Croucher. How many of y'all remember that old song? That's an old one, old school for you, but powerful. Very, very powerful song. Well, listen, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to another episode of Blog Talk Radio. Uh, this is Brother Seth, uh, or Seth, or whatever you call me. <laughs> I just want to thank everybody for tuning in to another episode of Blog Talk Radio probably well over 370 now, and uh, just swinging, 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 still trying to get truth out. Um, Truth, as we know, that will make us free. And so that's really what this show is all about. That's what this network is all about, what we call Five Smooth Stones. Again, I'm Brother Seth, and uh, I just want to thank every single one of you that's been tuning in since 2011. I got to always say this, but all of the friends that's been tuning in, listening, sharing, sharing the information we put out there for all this time. I really, really do thank you. Thank you for doing just that. Many of you have been um, have even went on to do um, the, pretty much the same thing, share the similar information. And uh, I just, I can't thank you enough. I really, really, really thank you for your time and your um Again, for put, pushing this uh, truth, I really don't, excuse me, a little noise there, but I really can't, it's not my truth. Let's just say this really quickly, and then before we bring on our guests. Folks, listen, this, this network, Five Smooth Stones, is really not my truth. It's not Seth. I don't own the truth. If I owned it and if it was a product of mine, I think I would act completely different. Uh, I, I just think I would be different in a lot of ways. Again, this is not my truth. It's not something I invented. It's not something I, um, some things I would probably do a little different most time. Maybe I would not have as much patience for Israel as, as he does. So let's get this straight. When Brother Seth shared tonight or any of the guests, really, I, I have on guests, I believe, that are serious with their relationship with the Father. And I believe they are speaking the words that they perceive to be of the Most High. Now, do that mean we always agree? Probably not. But I can tell you this, our heart is always after the Father, after to please the Father. Most of the time we will agree. And that's maturity. That means we're growing. But, folks, just remember this. Tonight, as you listen to this very powerful show, um, that the truth will make you free. And when you hear things tonight, maybe if you don't understand it, it could be truth that you just don't understand. Now, just ask the Father for understanding. And remember, do 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 as Paul told Timothy. Remember, Paul was talking to Timothy. He said, consider what I say. Just consider it. Consider it. And the Father will give the understanding in all things. So tonight, tonight, consider what's being said. Consider what's being taught. It just may well be, and I think if it really is, a word from the Most High. And what is that word? Let's go ahead and read the show's description. Um, before I do that, just one little second right here. Okay. But let's go ahead and read the show's description where everybody will be on the same page. As you know, I say it every week, but I have to say this because some people say, why are you reading the show's description? We already read it. Well, not really. There are some people that, um, you may have read it, but there are some people that just call the phone last every week. 
uh, and they don't know what is going on on Five Smooth Songs, so that's they're just loyal like that. So I'll go ahead and read the show description for those that's tuning in every week, calling the phone number. I typed this to many of you or emailed it to many of you, put it on Facebook. I went on to say, intro to keeping the feast days as Israelites in Christ. In Christ. We're not under the law of people. We're under grace. However, we do observe many of the Old Testament laws, but not for righteousness. So one more time, introducing to keeping the feast days of Israel as Israelites in Christ. I went on to say, Joe and Sister Eliana, Sister Kaviva, Sister Karen, and others on Five Smooth Stones, as well as our hosts, which is me, Brother Seth, as we shed light on these important appointed days set aside for the Hebrew nation in these crucial times. And I went on to say the show time is 8 p.m. Central Standard Time today, September the 18th, 2018. Then I went on to say awake Zion. And that's what we want to do tonight, just awake the nation, awake our nation. And again, as I say so often, these shows are for every single person on the sound of my voice, every person breathing on this earth. The Father wants you to know. The Father wants you to know what is going on with his plan. If you're seeking him, he wants to include you in his plan of restoring Israel. This nation is becoming a nation all over again, as Ezekiel 37 prophesies. Many of you know about it, the Valley of the Dry Bones. Well, the bones are taking on flesh again. The bones are taking on life again. And the Father is going to use this nation. He started with Israel in terms of Abraham and the New Covenant. He started with Abraham. Only would make his nation great, but they'd be taken into captivity. Y'all know the story. I don't need to, you don't even need me to repeat it. But that nation was a mighty great nation. The Father showed his glory with this nation. Feed them from manna from heaven. Blessing them with clothes that wouldn't wear out. Fighting for them, literally fighting for them in armies or against armies and sometime with them but sometime the armies didn't have to fight at all Israel didn't have to fight at all and he slew many nations that come up against his people he gave his people wisdom and knowledge and understanding above all the nations of the earth I said every week uh, Amos 3 and 2 of all the nations of the earth the father said to Israel of all the nations of the earth, you have I known. Therefore, I will punish you for all your transgressions. No other nation was he more intimate than with this nation. For that reason, he said, because they were such a great people, and they had it so much better than anybody for a long time. Sometimes you can't understand the pain we go through as Israelites. It just seemed unfair. I mean, we're suffering, 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 suffering. And we don't, you know, it's like, why? Even if we were rebellious. But you got to know how great we had it. You got to know how good we had it. And you got to know how important we were to the planet to understand why. 
we have it so hard. You got to understand these things, folks. And when you see how the Father fought for them and took up for them and sometimes had mercy with them when they should have been destroyed, they acted, their actions merited him destroying them and how he had mercy upon them. As Psalms 103 says, he will not always chide. He will not always hold against his people what they deserve. Well, that nation grew and grew and grew and they influenced the world. Every, all of the nations heard about this God of Israel. Now, many of them turned to him. Many of them took on the ways of Israelites to have a relationship with the Most High. Don't think he just only dealt with Israel. That's not true. There was other nations turning. Remember, King Josiah came against Egypt and lost. Who was King Josiah was a good king, but he came against Egypt, the Egyptian king at that time, which was a righteous man, and he lost. There was righteous people, righteous nations with Israel was at their peak. So anyway, but he he made his covenant with Israel. Now, I don't know how long that Egyptian uh, nation was righteous, but I do know that King Josiah, that's when he fell. That's when Israel fell and they lost. But anyway, folks, listen, um, that's a little history you can research on at your leisure. But listen, I just want to thank every single one of you for tuning in again. We're dealing with the show's topic, the introduction to keeping the feast days as Israelites in Christ. I just thought I'd share a little bit of the history of who these people are. Sometimes we look too much at these curses and we don't understand. It's just it's not balanced. It's so much cursing, cursing, cursing. We don't know why. It's because it was a great, mighty nation, the number one nation of all time, the most influential people ever to set forth on this earth. And that is the truth. So anyway, tonight, uh, uh, I want to remind everybody to follow the show. Follow the show. got to say every single week. Because some of you keep procrastinating. Go ahead and follow the show. Those of you that did get a link or email on that uh, front page, Blog Talk Radio page, where you'll probably listen to the show on the Internet, uh, there's, there should be a button that say follow. Follow. Click that follow button. It'll make you sign into Facebook or, or Twitter or even your Google Calendar. Go ahead and do that, and you'll get a reminder sent to you. It helps us on Blog Talk Radio. If you really appreciate what we're doing, like so many of you say through emails and conversations to me, that you really appreciate what we're doing, follow the show. It's just that simple. Follow the show. Don't be one of those that just say, oh, I really like the show, and you don't do anything about it. We don't ask any money or anything, so just simply follow the show. Another thing is, if you've missed any shows, remember, you can always Google. You can always Google Five on Blog Talk Radio and get all of these 370 shows, over 370 shows, you can get them. And we talk about all types of topics, mainly the five topics of Five Smooth Songs. Uh, and I'll just say what they are briefly. I won't go into what they are in the history behind it, but briefly those five topics that we talk about all the time is, uh, number one, the Hebrew, uh, the revelation of who the true Jews are, and uh, the revelation uh, of leprosy. Uh, exactly where does white skin come from? You know, we, we brainwash today. The white people have been around forever and everything started with them. Well, that's not true. They're recessive. Not they are, because they're spirits, the same spirits as us. We are the same kindred spiritual, spiritually speaking, socially speaking, as humans. But white skin is a new thing. Uh, uh, well, excuse me, it's not a new thing. White, uh, white skin being a nation of people is a new thing. White skin has been around for a long time as albinos and so forth. But these albinos eventually got together and began to mix uh, in, the, in the hills of Europe, having migrated from Africa, 
I mean, how else did they get here? Of course, that's what they are. It's a mutation. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's definitely a recessive trait from brown-skinned people. So we talk about that with much love and respect for all humanity, but we got to know for who white people are because we're right now going through a cloud of white supremacy, actually in a sea of white supremacy, swimming for our lives, drowning some of us in white supremacy. But we talk about leprosy, uh, the origin of white skin, uh, as the second stone. Third stone we talk about is the One World Government New World Order. I hadn't been doing very many shows on that. It's really because I've talked about that the most probably on Blog Talk Radio. I mean, I used to, I've done many shows talking about the New World Order, One World Government, Illuminati, uh, Federal Reserve, all types of things with Brother Joe uh, and other people that's been on. And we're just kind of taking a break from that. But we're going to get back to it. Again, the, the One World Government, what is really going on? You know, there's a kingdom of the Most High, the kingdom of Yah. Well, there's a phony kingdom. There's a mimic, a, 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 a counterfeit. This is the kingdom of Satan. And, and we talk about the construction there. We go really deep into that. That show actually is why Bob's song went off the air for a while because I got so depressed listening, looking at all the things that's going on. Got overwhelmed by it. So we definitely deal with one world government. Okay, that's the third stone. Okay. Fourth stone, we deal with this white supremacy like you've never heard it. Uh, like you've never heard it. Again, Brother Seth believes that uh, if you don't know your history, you don't know who you are. The dominating uh, culture is going to take is going to take over. It's going to be what your mind has something in your. There's something in your mind. There's some, something gives you self esteem. Something gives you a sense of reality. Something you're not just walking around with, not thinking any thoughts. Well, if you don't have the truth of who you are, and you live in America, you educate America. You are my friend, a white supremacist. It's no way. It's nowhere around it. Who taught you to be black and proud? Just because you hear a song say a lot on black and proud, don't mean you're gonna be black and proud. You may want to be black and proud. You may put a little something around your neck. You may wear a kente cloth or this or that. But if you don't know who you truly, truly are, and it's not solid and clear, crystal clear, as crystal clear as white people history are to us, you are, my friend, a white supremacist. So we talk about white supremacists like no other. And then the last uh, uh, stone uh, topic we talk about is, is the solution, the kingdom of, of the Most High. Really, we talk about this kingdom the most, this, this stone, excuse me, we talk about this stone. Remember, we talk about five most stones, five topics. We talk about this topic the most, really. I just don't say it, I announce it. And this is the solution, the kingdom, kingdom of the principles uh, of, of our faith, uh, the kingdom of the Most High, the leader, uh, the Most High himself, and his Messiah since the earth. All this is a part of the solution, and we talk about that the most on Five Smooth Stones. That's what the Five Smooth Stones are all about. Folks, tonight we're going to have Sissy Eliana Batya uh, coming on. She's going to be coming on with uh, 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 other powerful young ladies. And uh, I want to go ahead and, and go to the phone lines and get them right now, bring them on uh, um, early on the show. Let's go ahead and put a little music in the background. Y'all know how I like it. This is Vaughn Smith. This is a powerful song, sent deep, down deep in my soul. The brother talks about in the middle of infirmity, how he have this joy. Kind of like our opening song. But anyway, folks, let's go to the phone lines. And uh, we'll go to area code 209-233 and get our sister Eliana Batya. Sister Eliana Batya, are you there all the way in Mercy? California. Shalom, and yes, I am. I'm on tonight, Seth. Thank you very much. 
and I'm so well, glad to be on. To another... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, I said I'm just so glad to be on tonight and uh, looking forward to uh, the topics of this show and, and what's going to be shared tonight. Yes, yes, yes. And I just, again, uh, want to thank you every single show. I know you're part of the crew now, but I still want to thank you for your time. You're a busy lady, and you don't have to come on, so I don't take it lightly, anybody that come on this show. All right, so let's go back to the phone lines. We have a hand that's up. I assume this is another one of our guests, C. Eliana. But we'll go to area code 707, another California number. 707-980. Who am I speaking with? Give us your name and your city, please. It's Aviva. Sister Kaviva. Okay, I need you to speak up a little bit and let me know the city you're calling from. I am calling from Vallejo, California. I am happy to be on the show tonight, and I'm looking forward to all that's going to be revealed tonight. It's going to be an awesome show, I believe. Yes, 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 and I have to agree with you. I've prayed about this show, that people understand what we're saying, what we're not saying, and I think Sister Eliana is, is the coordinator, or, or the, really the host tonight, because I'm going to take a back seat. I really am going to take a back seat and uh, kind of let you ladies run with it all interject here and there. But Sister Eliana, uh, uh, Sister Eliana and Sister Kaviva, I really thank y'all again for tuning in to, uh, and joining and, and, and uh, being a guest tonight on Five Smooth Stone Network. Is there anybody else that's going to be with you, ladies, or is it just the two of you? Talk to me. No, we no. have uh, Sister Karen Osborne to be on as well. Sister Karen Os- Osborne, uh, if you can, go ahead and press 1 on your phone, please, so I'll be able to bring you in with the other sisters, because I don't see a hand up right now. Again, Sister uh, Karen Osborne, please just press 1, and we'll bring you on. Okay, I think I see her now. All right, area code 314-596. That's not a California uh, number. Sister uh, Karen, uh, give us, go ahead, give us your, uh, your city, please. This is Karen. Yes, this is Karen. I am from Mesa, Arizona. Okay, okay. Well, listen, sister, welcome. Uh, 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 again, the three of y'all, I uh, really appreciate y'all coming on. Um, sister Eliana, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you. Uh, the only thing I'm trying to think if I've covered all my notes, so y'all give me about 10 seconds here. We talked about following the show. Okay. All right, all right. Well, Sister Eliana, for now, uh, just go ahead and do your thing, and then we'll take a break probably in another, about another uh, 40 minutes or something like that. So y'all, y'all got uh, free reign till about 40 minutes. Go ahead. All right. Well, thank you again, Seth, for um, allowing us to uh, have this venue to talk about these really important things for the Hebrew people um, on your platform, on your show, Five Smooth Stones. It is truly an honor to be uh, part of that uh, the the um, co-hosting with you, and also just a double honor to be able to through this network uh, be able to reach out to the people. So tonight we're real excited. Again, we're talking about understanding or getting an introduction of uh, the feast that the Most High uh, outlined for His people. This is, was given to uh, Moses as they were being established and mobilized in the wilderness before coming in to possess the land. These are appointed times that the Father has set aside 
to meet with his people. Um, I know that Sister Karen is has been teaching this ex- extensively throughout her ministry over the last um, several years, and so we're going to allow Sister Karen to kind of run um, and, and, and lead, take the lead in this teaching tonight. So Sister Kaviva and I are here to back her up and to... Um, to add in, but Sister Karen is going to be actually the uh, the chief speaker for tonight's topic. So with that being said, I want to thank Sister Karen. I want to thank Sister Kaviva for being on as well tonight. And I am going to open the floor for Sister Karen to um, open us up and to do her um, introduction and then lead us into the understanding. So Sister Karen, thank you. Amen. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share and to receive information. I thank you for uh, giving me this this platform. I'm excited. I have for many years been excited about the Feast of the Lord because it was like a secret hidden from me in my early days of salvation. So it's very important to me, and I pray that God will use me tonight to enlighten as well as receive from you guys information that will help me better understand the Feast of the Lord. With that said, um, I want to start with the scripture that really um, showcased the Feast. And it is in Leviticus, the 23rd chapter. And I'm certainly only going to read just a portion. As a matter of fact, um, I'm going to read just verse 1. And the word of God says in Leviticus 23:1, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, These are my appointed festivals, the appointed festivals of the Lord, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies. Tonight we are going to attack these feasts and festivals in two parts. One part will be understanding the feast, and the second, of course, is how the feast applies to Hebrews today. I certainly welcome all comments. I'm here to learn as well. So as I get started, if there's anything you want to say, please, please um, hop right in. Now, the feasts are very important. Many of my friends just kind of ignore parts of what they call the Old Testament. But all the Word of God is for instruction and inspiration. The feast, like many other tools that God uses, helps us to better understand Him, His plan, His plan for us, He's always, even in the names of God, trying to get us to get a better understanding of who he is. We find that in the feast that he um, allotted, they are, to, they are, of course, a shadow, but we are to learn. We are to learn how to worship God through the feast. We learn what he expects of us through the feast. We've learned what he has done in the past, what he's doing now, what he's going to do in the future. Such important information 
found in the practicality of the feast and festivals. And it thrills my heart to know that I have a God that's a party animal. Amen. He has no problem with us enjoying life. We call these feasts. What do you do at a feast? You eat, you enjoy, you laugh, you talk. It's a wonderful time. However, in some of these, there is a time of solemn. You, you, you reflect. So I'm just going to go over briefly the eight feasts of the appointed times or festivals of the Lord that's found in Leviticus as well as being repeated in Deuteronomy. There are eight. I know we often are here. There are seven. But there are eight feasts or appointed times of the Lord. They don't belong to Israel. They don't belong to me. They are feasts of the Lord. There are a set times that God has put aside that he demands certain things from us. It's a command. For instance, the very first one I'm going to explore is Shabbat. Now, there's a lot of controversy about Shabbat as well as many of the other feasts. Let me say this, that the God I serve is a God to the Hebrew. And as with everything else, everybody else, there are rules and regulations. So, it, it disheartens me, and I'm going to try not to express my opinion, <laughs> but I have to say it disheartens me to find that many of the things God set forth for his peculiar people, those that were sanctified, his, his use, those things that he instructed us to do, I don't find so often being taught in many of the Christian circles. We find a lot of things taught that sprung up from the Roman Catholic and from Constantine and various other people down through the eons of time have contaminated God's word. So it's vital to me in my search and in my quest for truth that I study and understand the feet. I've been doing it for some time, but every time I study or every time I participate, I learn a lot more. It's really befitting for us to be talking about the feast because we are smack dab in the middle of what's known as the fall feast. There are two categories of the feast. They're broken into two separate parts. We have the spring and the fall. I've heard it said the former rain and the latter rain. The spring feast, along with the fall, all point to Yeshua. They all tell us about Yeshua. They all bring attention to Yeshua. So much so that he did fulfill the first spring feast, and he is going to fulfill the fall feast. That's something that we are looking forward to in the future. Now, the spring feast consists of Shabbat, 
the Passover, the Festival of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, and also Pentecost. All of these relate and help us to better understand the workings and, and the laws and what God expects from us. Now, the second set of feasts that are in the fall, we just finished one, and that's Rosh Hashanah, Feast of Trumpets. The second, Yom Kippur, which I celebrate on tomorrow. Today is Yom Kippur, and so we celebrate it on tomorrow. And the last for the fall feast would be Coke or the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, each feast, each unit, teach us a certain thing about the plan of God. The spring feast told us that, for instance, Shabbat, we are to honor Shabbat, which is the seventh day of the week, which is the day or it is the time of rest. We are to rest on Shabbat. Each feast carries deeper meaning. When you study Hebrew, there are four levels of understanding. Many of us stop at the first level with the obvious. But as you go down through the various levels, the last level is the soul, and it's a revelation. It's when you get a revelation. You ever read a scripture and you thought you understood it and you were very familiar with it? Then the next time you read it, it opens up and you see and God reveals something spectacular, and you're thinking, my God, I just read this, and now all of a sudden I see it in a different way. Well, you've entered the fourth level of revelation. So when you look at the feast, Shabbat, we know it's something that happens every week. On Friday, for instance, at sundown, Shabbat starts, and it ends on Saturday at sundown. Every week, it would, you would think that that makes it common, but that makes it special. It makes it something that God wants you to really get a full understanding of. And it represents, as each feast does, uh, something symbolic. <laughs> and that is a time of rest or a time of the 1,000 years of the millennia, the time of rest. So it behooves us to learn how to rest. In the Lord, he says, come, take my yoke upon you, rest. He wants us to learn how to rest, and that's very hard to do for many of, especially as workaholics. But Shabbat is the very first appointed time. We move into the spring, and that first feast of spring is known as Passover. Now, it's my understanding that Passover is a part of the feast, the feast, I'm sorry, of unleavened bread. Because the very next day after we celebrate Passover with a Passover Seder or a Passover meal begins the feast of unleavened bread. <clears throat> now with the feast of with Passover, it represents 
of course, and I know I'm talking to the choir. But anyway, it represents the first exodus when the children of Israel were saved from the death angel by placing the blood of a sacrificial lamb over the doorposts and on the lentils, and the death angel passed over that house. The word means Peshach, P-E-S-A-C-H, means to pass over, to hover, or to jump over. That's why we call it Passover, because the death angel passed over those that had the blood applied. Now, when you're going through your levels of understanding Hebrew, you can go all the way and, and know that Christ became our Passover. Yeshua became our Passover lamb. He gave the atonement that we needed, that blood that was needed. He did that for us. Now, the second of the first set of feasts, the unleavened bread. <clears throat> the unleavened bread represents the bread that the children of Israel left Egypt with because they did not have time for the bread to rise. Leaven in the word of God represents sin. We want to always use the word of God and whatever tools God gives us to recognize sin because sin is unacceptable. We have an atonement. We are able to ask forgiveness for sin. So the leaven, the unleavened bread, they were told to eat for seven days. And we know that seven is God's complete number. But they were able to eat the unleavened bread and representing having no sin. Because I know traditionally in uh, the, the homes of those that celebrate this feast, they spend time in preparation for the um the holy day, and that they go through their home looking for any products with yeast. No yeast is to be found in your home during the feast of the seven days of the unleavened bread festival. Now, to me, because, well, I said I wasn't going to give my opinion, but anyway, I would really be trying all year to keep the yeast out of my house because, you know, that requires the house cleaning and the whole gambit. And we see uh, the people in our community, those that celebrate this feast, they're working hard, diligently to get the the, the leaven out. And we as uh, believers, that's a full-time job for us as well. That's symbolic of the sin. And we are working full-time trying to keep the sin out of our life. The last one, uh, well, uh, the third one, for this uh, set of feasts are the, the feast of first fruits. Now, uh, we know that Christ, or Yeshua, was the first fruit. There is a time when they brought their, their first fruit of their harvest in uh, thanking God for providing for them in their harvest and realizing and believing that if he provided in the spring, He's also going to provide a harvest in the fall. The um, other feast that I want to mention is the Feast of Pentecost, Feast of Weeks. Now, the great things happen, we know, uh, is well known, Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was given, the day of Pentecost. That takes us into the fall feast, 
And uh, as I've said, this is uh, we're in the middle of, of the fall feast celebration. Um, last week, uh, I had the pleasure of celebrating Rosh Hashanah, and uh, it, it's always a very wonderful service, Un, um, full of joy and full of, because it's a time. Rosh Hashanah is also the Feast of the Trumpets, and it's a time that the shofars are sounded, and a shofar or the sounding of the shofar uh, commemorates two things. One, it's an alarm to gather for battle. When it was blown, it, it gathered the people uh, in their army, and they were able to assemble and get themselves ready for battle. So when we hear in the Bible, teaches us that we're blessed. Those that know the sound of the so far are blessed because of several reasons. And, and One, Sister Karen, if I can, you know, Sister Karen, if I can. If I can interject here real quick, when you say shofar, just let it, you are talking about the tr- a trumpet, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like a horn. It's a, I'm just, I'm just, I know that somebody don't know what a shofar is. Is what I'm trying to say. It's like well, a, what we're going to do is like a horn. We're going to let her, we're going to let her go through all the descriptions first. Then we're going to open it up for those kind of questions. So okay, um, all right, okay, right in the we're middle right of um, talking about that one. Then then we'll bring some clarity to some of the terms that maybe people don't understand. So we want to let her finish the descriptions. Okay. I will do these last um, three, and then we'll open up for for some discussion. Would that work? Take your time. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay. I was dealing with the first fall piece, which is Rosh Hashanah. Now, understand there is a period of 40 days before Rosh Hashanah, and I'm not going to pronounce this right, but it's spelled E-U-L-U. So help me out, guys. And it's Elul. Yes. Elul. Elul. And it is a time of reflection because Rosh Hashanah is the new year. And so the Lord gave 40 days prior to Rosh Hashanah for you to think and reflect on the things that you should have done that you did not do and the things that you did do that you should not have done. I know that the Bible teaches that we are to always repent, and we as believers, we do that on a daily basis basis, on a regular basis, but God is so intentional that he allots time for those of us that have just been too busy or too slack. It's not his desire that any man shall perish. So in these feasts, especially the fall feast, he gives you a specific time that if you follow his instructions, you can wipe the slate clean. Doing Elul, repenting and getting ready for what is known as the biblical or spiritual New Year, Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah began the year. So we doing you we're asking God to forgive us for the things that we done last year and, and things that we had planned to do that you just couldn't get done for the kingdom and I'm going to work harder. Please forgive me. Wipe my slate clean, anything that I neglected to repent for, 
I I think during these 40 days, I mean, you know what I'm saying, you should be able to pull up everything in 40 days to repent for so that when you enter Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the year, you come with your slate clean. And it blows the trumpet or the shofar, letting you know that that time has come. One, I said the shofar is blown when you're gathering an army. Another time the trumpet of the shofar is blown is when you are acknowledging the king, the person or man of honor. So in Rosh Hashanah, the brand new year, certainly if we're going to honor anything, we're going to honor God. So there's a blowing of the of the shofar, even in the service that you attend on uh, the day, there is a certain pattern of blowing of the shofar, and it's just beautiful. And I don't I, I tend to say blowing, and I don't mean to say blowing because you actually play the shofar. There's there's a there's a method. It's not it's a ram's horn, but there is a method. And when you hear someone that Skilled, hallelujah, in the playing of the shofar, it just reaches down deep with me, amen, and it brings up fantastic things. So there is a blowing, there's coming of attention, attention, attention. If you've been sleep all year, you've been sluggish, you've been lukewarm, he gives you another chance leading up to the next piece, which is young poor. Now, this is a time of atonement, atonement. You have your slate wiped clean in Rosh Hashanah. The new year begins, and you, with, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So we've, we've confessed, we've repented. So Yom Kippur is known as a time of atonement, which ushers us into the last one that I'm going to mention, and that's Shakot, the tabernacles. Now, the tabernacles, or the Feast of the Tabernacle is symbolic of Christ coming or Yeshua coming to dwell with us, the tabernacle with us. I'm told that it's a beautiful scene in Israel during the Feast of Sukkot because the Sukkot is a temporary structure that you build in your yard and you're told to uh, to abide in that in re- commemorating when the children of Israel left Egypt and were wandering in the wilderness, they had temporary tents. And you build this this structure, this wooden structure in your yard, and you decorate it from things of the ground like gourds and flowers and vines. And, and it's a beautiful thing. My friend puts hay and, 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 and flowers and it's a it's big enough to, to come into and it said that you are to spend the entire seven days in that I don't know that they do that anymore. I do know that when my friend builds theirs that they spend time of course every day and there's a certain day that they invite us and we go into this temporary structure with the ceiling open so that you can look out into the elements and you're reminded of the children of Israel traveling and and sleeping in the Sukkot. So it's a beautiful time of worship and praise and there are certain elements and certain um, uh, things that you do in a service in the Sukkot. And it's it's a 
fabulous time of year. I, I am currently in Ohio, and during that time of year, Ohio is beautiful with fall colors, and, and it's just a marvelous time that you can imagine that God is saying, I am coming to sit with you. I am coming, and people often eat their meals there. Coming to, so it's a time that he dwells. I know he's with us all the time. That is not the issue. This is a special time that he comes to dwell with us. And, and with that, I'm going to allow questions and comments. Certainly, I want to hear from the other veterans on the line uh, today. So I'm going to stop and um, give you the opportunity. Well, I appreciate that. Sister Eliana, I'll let you conduct that. Any, again, uh, folks, you listen to Five Smooth Stones Network. Tonight we're talking about introduction to keeping the feast days as Israelites in Christ. Um, if anyone have any questions, go ahead and press 1. This will be a wonderful time to press 1 to ask you a question. Otherwise, we're going to let the sister keep rolling. Um, I just happened to, when you said shofar, I just wanted people, you know, we got us on people just don't know. I mean, they hear a word, they don't know what that means, and they don't know it's just like a little horn that, that, that the Israelites, some people don't know this, some people do know it, but anyway. But, but sister, listen, I think you did a great job. You know, I think you hit all seven of them, and uh, I really, really appreciate uh, that introduction. Um, that's really the only comment I had when you were sharing, just when you said, sure, I just happened to hear it. Um, I do want to add this, though. A lot of people are listening, and a lot of people are coming into this new awareness of us being Israel. And I want you to, or Sister uh, Eliana, Sister Kaviva, any one of you, to kind of hit, because I'm always hit, I want you all to touch on those that are saying, you know, now that we're in Christ, uh, you know, we don't have to do, we don't have to adhere to days and times I want y'all to kind of hit that either now or later because I, I, I don't want to lose people. Some people really have a good heart. They're not trying to start no argument. They're not trying to be divisive. They're not trying to do any of that. They just have read and been hearing for all these years and years and years and years and years. One thing, and then we come on with something new, and they're saying, well, who should I believe? Just because Sister Karen is a nice person, Sister Eliana is a nice person, Sister is nice, I don't know that I just want to just change everything and start keeping the feast days. So you've laid it out very clear what they are, the seven. If you could, if you want to hit that a little harder, you you got the floor tonight, or Cecilia got the floor tonight, whoever she, however y'all worked it out. But I do want you at some point to talk about spiritual worship, uh, being in Christ, being in the spirit, having the heart, because I believe, just, just let me just share this real briefly about Brother Seth, and then we'll move on. I do believe that Israel, the true Israelite, the authentic bloodline Israelites, are supposed to adhere to all seven of these feast days, including the Shabbat. Okay? I believe that. I think that what else we're supposed to do in captivity? Adhere to the feast days or the holidays of the heathen? So I believe that Israel is supposed to keep these days, but mainly, watch this, mainly to be intact with their culture. You know, it's all about remembering the laws, remembering the Father, remembering what he commanded us, bind the 
them on your ha- hands, wear it on your forehead. You know, I don't. I think the people in Israel are taking too far when they physically put a little law, box of laws chopped up on their. I think that that's they're missing the point. He meant in your heart. Don't forget putting that little box on your head. If you forget, you still can act as a fool with that little box on your head. Don't mean you're keeping the law because you've got it rolling your arms. He just say, do whatever it takes to keep my law. And these feast days, Sister Karen, is another way to remind us who we are, whose we are, and what we're supposed to be doing. I think that's the whole purpose behind all of these feast days, as well as spending quality time with the Father. Having said that, Christ comes on the scene and takes away the sins of the world. Now we don't offer bulls and goats and all of this. We now made righteous through blood, through the one one sacrifice offered once and for all, forever. Now we are righteous as we possibly could ever be, and it's a gift. It's nothing we can do on the Shabbat or feast days. None of this. The Bible says no one can be righteous through the law. It, it just says that. It, no one could be. Not not for long. You probably could be once it's offered up that second, but soon away you walk away, you're unclean. So that, that means you, it was the Bible said it was weak. So having said that, Sister uh, Karen and Sister Kaviva and Sister Eliana, there's some people out there saying in my church they teach we don't have to keep that, and I think that's not true. And then you got the other extreme of some people teaching on the Internet, yelling on the streets of New York. And, and again, the reason why I'm bringing this up because when people go to research what you're saying, they type it into Google or, you, or YouTube, they're going to get these people. So we got to hit this sooner or later, maybe not spend our whole show on it. But we have to talk about those that are saying things like, if you don't keep the law, you ain't going to make it in. You, you're not going to, you're not going to, your sins is going to cause you to go to hell. And, you know, you, you, you're, not, you're not going to go to hell. You're not healed if you don't keep all the laws. There's different, different things. That, that the preaching is, though, keeping these feast days, you are justified by that versus keeping them to remind us who we are and whose we are and to keep uh, sin out of our lives. We are supposed to live holy. We are supposed to keep laws, and there's more than 613. Whatever the Holy Spirit is saying to us, and I'll end with this, whatever the Holy Spirit is saying to us day by day is what we keep. It's going to include a lot of those Old Testament laws, and it's going to include some laws that are not written. So, I just want you to, I hope you understand the question. It's kind of general, but there are a lot of people that are saying, again, uh, we don't have to keep these feast days. This is all under the law. This is all law, law, law. And then you got some other extremes saying we're justified by that instead of going through the crisis blood. Anyone, please. Okay. So I, what I'd like to say is, um, yes, we're going to have, you're always going to have scoffers because we're in a time where the scripture says in the last days scoffers will come. And we're not worried about the scoffers. And I, I understand. Now, now, hold, hold, on, hold on, Sister Eliana. Just, just please, please forgive me for doing this. But I want to make it very clear. I'm not talking about those who are scoffers or those who have a bad heart. I'm talking about believers that just been taught wrong. Believers, true sheep like we were at one point. Go ahead. Right. And I understand that because when I, when I, before the reason why I paraphrase it as scoffers is because it is that is exactly what they are. Because when 
deep in the church, full of the Holy Spirit, casting out devils, when it was introduced in our church, just Passover. The Spirit of the Most High began to work in me in such a way I knew that this was more biblical than me going and showing up on Sunday mornings and being in Sunday school and singing a few hymns and giving an offering and listening to a 45-minute sermon and going home. I understood in my the fiber of my being before the understanding in my mind, I understood that this was more biblical, this was more holy, this was more connected to the God who created salvation, to the God who created Yeshua. This was more important to be a part of his kingdom, and I was in a very strong, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, devil-casting-out type of ministry on the streets, witnessing all of that. But when I understood the feast, I knew that it had transported me into the very word of God the way salvation should have transported me. But I was mistaught, and like many of the people, these feasts, as Sister Karen pointed out so eloquently, are something that God himself has ordained for his own people. doesn't matter if we have Christ and we love him and we're saved and we're sanctified in the way that the original coming down through Catholicism and then through the um, Protestants and then through the Baptists, Anabaptists, where however we arrive to this modern-day understanding of religion, which excludes everything that the Father himself. Even today, most Christians will argue with you over Paul, a later converted apostle, that his word is almost more significant than the Messiah himself who came. Yet, they will still tell you that you have to have the Messiah. You must, you must be born again through the Messiah. But when the Messiah's word stands to a point where he said, I did not, don't think that I've come to take away the law and the prophet. I have not. I've come to fulfill But when that is mentioned against something that most modern-day Christians don't want to hear or don't understand, they will come back at you with Paul, who was himself converted directly by the Messiah. So we have to be really careful because our church tradition has divorced itself from the true essence of the creator himself and the real purpose of salvation. So when we come back and understand what God himself, especially as Hebrews, especially as Hebrews, not as Gentiles, because we're not Gentiles. Gentile people, you know, it's not really mandatory that they keep all these feasts, but it is mandatory that the Hebrews keep these feasts. Now, we do understand that when the Gentiles come in, they're grafted in, and all through the what we consider the Old Testament, the Most High made it very, 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 very clear that these laws that I give Israel are for you and for the stranger who dwells among you. So those Gentiles who come in among us must adhere just as we must to these same laws. And he also cautioned Israel to not to despise the stranger because we ourselves were strangers 
in Egypt. So the real issue is that tonight we're introducing this to the Hebrew. We're introducing it. Yes, people are going to Google and they're going to find all flavors of different discussions, but the people are mature. They live in the world, and it's nothing that they haven't heard, a controversy. But the Ruach, the Spirit of the Most High, will lead them, if they're truly seeking, will lead them into all truth. And once they have an understanding, the scripture says, when you find the way, walk in it. Once you have an understanding and, and, it's, and it's verified in your spirit and in your soul and in your mind, when you're in that quiet place, that one-on-one place with the Most High, and he says, this is my way, it doesn't matter what the scoffer, the skeptic, the unlearned, it doesn't matter what they say because the the point is when you're making connection with the original, see, God is the creator. He is the original. And so when you're making connection with the original intent, intentions and plans, for your life as a Hebrew person to live free, to live above. Yeshua came to do a specific work, which he has done quite well, but in all that he came to bring the people of Israel back to their God in true righteousness, in true holiness, which includes all that God himself commanded. That's why he told the Pharisees and scribes at that time, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but not one jot or one tittle of my word should fail. So the word of God stands forever. It doesn't matter what modern culture says or modern belief. God's word is eternal. And what he said for Israel to be everlasting is the same as eternal. For us, it's mandatory. And if we're coming out of our uh, slumber and uh, and out of our uh, lethargy and we're waking up, then it's very important for us to understand the original plan of the Most High. Because in our current condition, salvation being a part of the normal churches has made us believe we do not need any of these things. We do not need to keep any of these things because now that we have Christ, that is enough. And that is not even what Christ taught. He said... Okay, hold, hold on a second. Bill. Hold on a second, Sister Eliana. I hear a little noise. Again, if, you, if you're not talking, you got to keep the noise... Well, if you are talking or are not talking, you got to keep noise down in the background, ladies. If you if you can always mute me uh, uh, mute us until you're ready to talk to as well. But go ahead, sister. So what what I'd like to do is um uh, would like Sister Kaviva to weigh in as well. Sister Karen did such a wonderful job laying it out. And so the whole person. Well, before before, before Sister Kaviva weigh in, I, I gotta say this because again, as a host, one of our jobs as any host on any show is you're supposed to be neutral. And you got to think of the people listening to the show. You got to think of people listening to the show and what kind of questions they would ask because some people are shy. The phone lines are full of people. And again, thanks, thank everyone for tuning into this to Five Stone Network tonight. Again, we're talking about 
um, the introduction. This is the introduction to keeping the feast days as Israelites in Christ. If you're just tuning in, Sister Karen just went over the seven feast days, and you can always go back and listen to the archives. Uh, she's not done yet, but uh, I just want to uh, uh, think like the person that don't know Sister Eliana, because a lot of times I've noticed you know, especially with you, I'm just going to be honest. You're more of a intermediate teacher to me. You're, you're like ready for the seniors. You're ready to go into the promised land, the Joshua generation. You're just ready, 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 ready. And I'm always thinking of people who are asking, "What is the feast day?" And it don't, we don't want to cater to them too much because then we won't be able to give meat to the other people. So I always want to put a little something out there where they can go research if they don't know any of this because we got all kind of people listening. And everybody is not a scoffer or, or a disobedient person. Some, some people really want to please the Father. That's why they tune in in the first place. So I just want exactly. to say this really briefly. When you mentioned, uh, what was well, that? What I'd like that what I'd like to say is that it's in, in all of the programs, it seems that most of it, the comments are targeted to the people who have a negative impact or an opinion of things of the Most High. So if we're teaching the Hebrews that are awakening, we need to focus the teaching on those people. And because there's a lot, like you said, there's a lot of people that don't call in and don't, I mean, do not raise their hand to ask their questions. But I've been through the comments, and I see that a lot of people are leaving comments that they are tuning into Five Smooth Stones because they are loving the teaching, they are learning, and they are growing. So what is, that positive feedback that they're getting is becoming infectious. And those that are saying, oh, you guys are crazy, this, that, or another, or whatever, how do you know, Typically, if you run through their web pages or, or, or their even Facebook, they don't even believe in the Most High. So what I'm trying to say is we don't want to spend a lot of time because we only have a small amount of time. We have a lot of good information. Absolutely, and that's why, I was, if, if, if I may, that's why I was saying we don't want to cater to them. I already said that earlier. We don't want to cater to the folks. If you're one of those people who don't believe none of this, again, we're not going to cater you tonight. But if you're one of those that are tuning in, and you say, hey, I, I like what I'm hearing, but you don't understand feast days. You don't understand what it's for. I, I'm the brother. This is the show. Again, this is an intro. This is not intermediate. This is not uh, This is not an intermediate class. This is an intro to keeping the feast days in Israel. Again, I just want you to, number one, press one, ask the sisters and brothers, the, not the, the sisters questions. Uh, you, don't be shy, y'all. Go ahead and press one and ask them questions. But I just don't want to run off with those of us that know what Ruach means, know what this means, and we're just moving, flying, flying, flying. And I know people don't know because on, on YouTube I'm talking to people that are already Israelites and they don't even know. So, Sister Karen, you did a wonderful, wonderful job. I do want to say one more thing. Uh, Sister Yelly, I want to ask you a question because people are listening. And when you just talked about Paul a minute ago, again, people live and die by Paul. Churches are established by Pauline epistles, fivefold ministries, gifts of the Spirit. And when you say the way you put it, I just I want to, I want to ask you a question. I'm going to let you clarify it. Are you saying that one part of the Bible is more legitimate than other parts of the Bible? Because I know somebody is thinking that. By the way, you put that. I believe all word is all word is inspired of the Father, including Paul's. I don't think it contradicts Christ in no way. But are you saying that, or are you saying something different? No. When I uh, I want to step in 
one second. I think that what my uh, what Sister um, Eliana is saying is that you do have Paulinian believers, and they believe everything that Paul said because they believe that he's the one that received the most revelation from the Most High. And so what he wrote is it, and it supersedes everything else. Oh, no. Oh, no. Now, many believe that. You do have people that believe that way because I, you know, and and you've gotten to know me a little better uh, over the time. I'm a person I do not like to argue. Like I said before, I will not argue with a person if they are just for the sake of argument. But if they have a true question, if it's a deep question and I perceive that they really want to know something that the Most High has revealed to me through much study, then I will spend time doing that. And I'll do it in, by degrees because I, I understand you can't eat the whole loaf. You know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? You cannot sit down at the table and consume an entire elephant. So you have to take it in bites. And if a person is really interested, really interested in understanding, then it's a, it's a degrees. It's a degrees of teaching. It's a little here. It's, it's building upon the precept. It's building on the understanding. And I've discipled people and still am. And it takes years before a person really will come to a really thorough understanding and so sometimes what I'm saying is I have confronted, I've been confronted by people who, when you mentioned a particular thing in the scripture, like Shabbat, they will then say, well, Paul said, well, Paul said. Then I said, well, who is the greater authority? Is it the Messiah who came, we believe, is God incarnate, God himself wrapped in human flesh, God who started the universe, created the world, created everyone, created his word, created the order, wrapped himself in flesh to walk among men. Is, is, is he the greater authority in this discussion, or is it the creation, Paul, who had a deep understanding, studied under Gamaliel, who was a Roman citizen, very intelligent, learned man, yet still the creation who is the greater authority then on the matters that pertain to the things of God? Is it God himself or is it his creation? So that's where I draw a line. If you're going to tell me that the creation who has much studied much is greater than the authority of the creator who wrapped himself in flesh, I'm not going to agree with you in that because I don't believe that the creation has the greater authority in that case. I believe that let, let, let me let me let me let me ask you a quick little question and I'm gonna let you ladies have it. I just I gotta interject you real quick. Could it be that the lady that say that that say what Paul says or these people that are saying Paul said, could it be that they don't understand what Paul is saying? Because I, I have a hard time believing and again I'm a listener too. I'm listening to, to you sisters as well. I'm a caller as well. A host yes. I'm a I'm a I, I could be wrong, I could be right, I may have something to say. I do have the Holy Spirit as well. Let me just say this really quick. I'm going to be as brief as I can. Could it be that the people that are saying to you, Paul said, 
Paul said. Maybe they don't understand. Maybe Paul is saying what the Messiah said. I don't believe that Paul's word is coming against the Messiah's word, and then we got to see, well, who is the lesser one? Who made who? Who created? I don't think I have to go down that road because I don't think the word contradicts itself. I think people contradict themselves with how they're interpreting it. I, I, I don't see where there's an issue with Paul versus Christ. If Paul's word is not good, then it's not good at all. If Paul can't be trusted with on, hold on a second. This is how a lot of people were thinking. Again, I'm a host. I may not necessarily agree with what I'm saying. Some of this is me and some of this is being a host. And I'm going to be briefly. We don't have to go stay on this road long. Y'all can go ahead and do what you're doing. But I know people are thinking this. If you're saying that there's some people coming and they got it correct what Paul is saying, and it's going against what Christ is saying, okay, I can see what you're saying then. But I don't know that I agree that the Bible contradicts itself. Paul is over here saying one thing and Christ saying, no, I didn't say that. I don't I don't get that from the Word. I get that from people that don't understand. Just like when they talk about, well, I won't go down there. But anyway, all I'm saying is this. I believe the Word does not contradict itself. What Pauline epistles is concerned and what Christ was saying. And if it does, we have trouble because if you can't trust Paul on A, you probably can't trust him on G, and then the whole church is in jeopardy because the whole foundation of the church, not the whole foundation, because Peter, he was the rock that Christ started the church. But what I mean is the teachings of the fivefold ministry, all that's Pauline. It's it's three-fourths, it's it's most of the New Testament. If Paul is in trouble, we're in trouble. So I don't think Paul is in trouble. I think Paul is inspired. One more thing, one more thing. I think Paul was inspired by the Most High. Simple and plain, and he does not contradict what Christ saying. That's my little two cents, but y'all go ahead. Right, and I just wanted to add to that. I've never said that the, the, the Scripture contradicts itself, and I never said that um, that I had a problem with Paul. I, I said I have a problem with people who want to throw up the name Paul when it when it's a, a situation where Christ has said a particular thing, and when you bring that to them, they want to come back at you with what Paul said, which makes it seem like Paul is saying something different, I guess, in their mind. But I've said I've, I've encountered people like that, and for that I will not argue with a person on that I understand. level. You see what I'm saying? So that's what I was really saying. But going back to what we're doing is the introduction. So if the people, if the Hebrew people are waking up, they never heard the term Sukkot. They never heard, and, and many have and many haven't. But if you're just waking up from a 400-year slumber or more, and you're disassociated with your inherit, your heritage, and you don't know the customs of your people, you don't know the traditions of your land, and now you're waking up. So, yes, a lot of words are going to be new. They're, you're not going to understand them. Uh, the words like shofar, which is just a ram's horn cut or long, blown. You know, it's, it's already the, the horn is already pretty hollow. It's hollowed out even more and blown, but it makes a distinctive sound. It makes a very strong very deep sound, and so that is what's called that's called a shofar. So when we're saying these terms for tonight, we're introducing all of this information. So that's where you know, if they, if people want to ask a question, they're welcome. They've been invited to uh, press one, 
which raises their hand in the host queue, and then they can ask the questions and we can give the answer. So um, I wanted Sister Kaviva to come back in and to go on because Sister Karen laid out all of the feasts, um, mentioning that uh, what's commonly thought are seven feasts, but really there are eight. And she went over the description, the overview of each one, and so um, I want Sister Kaviva to come in now and to weigh in on that, and I think afterwards we should go to a break. And then when we come back, if anyone has questions about what they heard Sister Karen lay down about these biblical feasts that the Most High uh, told Moses to tell the children of Israel that these are his appointed times, these are his appointments. Just like the President of the United States, if you're going to go work in the White House, you're going to be given the schedule of the president, whoever he is, at sitting at the time, his schedule, his appointments, and his meeting times. And if you're going to be part of that presidential cabinet or part of, you know, those workers in Washington, you had better drop everything because when there is an appointment to meet with the president of the United States, you as an employee had better be there. Well, we have a greater, we have our the Father, God, who created everything, telling his children, telling his nation that these are his feasts, these are his appointments. And so as a people reawakening to our history, to our culture, we are learning that these are going to be very important feasts that we better drop everything for and take heed and do them because they bring us into a special dispensation with the Father, our God, who created us. So, Sister Kaviva, do you want to go ahead and add in? Yes. Um, yes. Uh, thank you. I, I really um Love the way Sister Karen just kind of really broke it down on each piece so that everyone could get familiar with their names and what they represent a little. Uh, And I know that we're going to get into more detail about the feast, but I think we have to be careful because bringing in information of this caliber, we want the people we want it to resonate in their spirit uh and so that they so that the father can begin to awaken it that they would begin to seek after it as kind of stated it's uh, there's a statement that says once you begin to keep one mitzvah which is the laws of God or his commandment then you'll keep them all and that's why I believe that the Father started with Shabbat for us and began to teach us uh, uh, that we had to keep Shabbat and the importance of keeping Shabbat and uh, entering into that day of rest with him, you see, that time of rest. But there's coming a time which is said that it's a Yom Shukalo Shabbat, a time of all Shabbat a time of all peace, a time of all rest, that Yom Shukaloh. And I believe that that is dealing with the 1,000-year uh, time 
when uh, Yeshua comes and we have that time with him and that thousand-year reign with him, and then also, again, when the new Jerusalem comes to the earth. But the importance of the feast, I believe, is to awaken our spirits so that we don't be disqualified, so that we don't, uh, we, we don't miss him. Uh, when the trumpet sounds, you know, we've heard that they've, they've had songs in the church of singing, oh, when that trumpet sounds, all of these things, and they're talking about the shofar, they're talking about the sound that's going to come, that we need, to, our spirits need to get used to, our, 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 our spirit man need to be familiar with, so that when we do hear the sound of the shofar, our spirits will be alerted and awakened and ready. So, and with all the feasts, so we will know what is required of us, you see. Um, and, and, and so this is why I believe that uh, Rosh Hashanah, that's why I believe it's so important that we understand that Rosh Hashanah, we just came through it, and now tomorrow is Yom Kippur, which means Yom in the Hebrew term, Yom means a day or a time, Yom, you see? So that day of atonement, Yom, a day of atonement. Or, you know, it, that's what it breaks down to when you deal with yum. When you, when you hear that yum shakalo in the Hebrew term, it means a time or a day. So, but my, my, my thing is, is that I believe that it is very important that we begin to understand that uh, right now the spirit of the Most High is moving because we're in the throes of his uh, moedim which is his appointed time, his moedins, and his appointed feasts and times. And in this, uh, our spirits are being drawn to something, drawn back to him, drawn back to, as Sister Karen was saying, to a time of re-examine re ourselves, to examine where we are and what we're lacking with the Father so that we don't be disqualified. Where are we going? Where, who do we, what do we want to be close to? We want to be close to him. And the way to get close to him is to come when he calls in his morning, in his appointed time, and come to learn him and to reach for him and reach out for him. I think that a lot of times we've been taught uh, in other ways that because so many dates and times have replaced that which the Father had set for us. Like, of course, uh, when Sister Karen was talking about Passover, we're talking about, glory to God, we're talking about Easter. Easter, uh, everybody wants to look good, be dressed, and, and go to church on Easter. But really what we should be doing is, is, is really what took the place of, uh, of, of, of Passover was Easter. But this is not something that's in Scripture. But Passover is. So these are, and this is what the Father is doing for us. He's bringing us back. He's awakening our spirit. He's causing us to seek his face, seek where we should be. 
to find out what we should know. And if we began to keep that which he has given us to follow, we will, our spirits will be even more awakened to what he's trying to say, uh, to go here or to go there or to do this and, or to do that. So I think that uh, understanding that, uh, but you also have to understand that Rosh Hashanah is also talking about, as Sister Karen saying, about that time of, uh, of, of repentance and turning back to the Father. You, you have the days of fasting, and then you go into the repentance, and then that one day, which Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, is also considered like a day, a Shabbat day, because it's a one day. And so you have to understand that Shabbat is very important. It's something else I was going to bring out, Sister um, Eliana, is that Yeshua himself said when he was having Passover meal with um, the disciples, or with the, and he said to them, listen, I will not take up this cup again until my Father's kingdom come. Do you understand that we are entering into a Yom Shakalo Shabbat with the Father, a time of all Shabbat? We are going to have Shabbat with our, with, with Yeshua. So, and then that's in, that's found in uh, Matthew 26 and 29. And then if you go into Luke 22, he said, I will not eat this bread until, until my father's kingdom come. So we have to understand that this, these things are very required of us. And Paul said, one thing Paul said, he said, follow me as I follow Yeshua. Believe that a lot of times the inter- people have interpreted many things wrong because the way it was given to us in the first place. But now we're at a time to really understand the knowledge of the Most High. And so we have to um, uh, open ourselves up to what the Father is saying in this hour and in this season of our lives because he is bringing us back. He is doing a sovereign work of his own. He don't need anyone's help, but he's doing it on his own. And he's awakening his people, and he's causing us to come alive as um, as Seth mentioned about the dry bones. All the bones of the dry bones are starting to come together, and all the sinew is starting to fit on them, and the the the, the, the skin, and all of these things. But it's not until the Father blows. His breath upon us, the life comes into those bones. But we're coming together, and His Spirit, but we have to be in tune to be able to hear and know and recognize when He's he's getting ready to do it. And God is a God, He he, he does things at His appointed times. So if He's going to um, cause us to exodus out of here, it's going to be around these times. So we have to be ready to understand what the Father is getting ready to do. We have to understand it through His Word and keeping His Moedims. 
So that's why they're so important to us. His appointed times, they're, they're, they're just so awesome for us to know. Uh, go ahead. I'd like to say I'd like to say something too before we go to that break. Um, it, it's said that um, uh, many many people, uh, African Americans, who have traveled back to uh, the place where they actually the the uh, port where they actually took many of the slaves uh, from the 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 actual port um, in, in a, a certain place. I believe it's in Sierra Leone. I'm not quite sure if that's the place, but there is a place where a lot of people have traveled to. And they said when the slave masters brought them, what they did was blindfolded them, and they made them walk around, I believe it was yes. a tree or something, a, 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 so, a certain number of times, because while they were blindfolded in this pattern of having them walk in circles, they would forget their way. So if even when they left the ship, they could not make their way back to where they were captured from. They would forget. And so we have to remember that even during this time where we've been in um, this captivity, which we are free of the captivity but we're still in the dispersed lands, a lot of times what they've given us in religion is to make us almost blindfolded and to walk around and to repeat things that are not good for us, repeat feasts and festivals that they have set up and not those of the Father so that we would not recognize the Father's feasts and festivals. So like Kaviva was saying, the Most High is awakening us now. We are all being awakened, and that's why we're calling in. That's why we're on these shows. That's why we're searching YouTube. That's why we're on Google. That's why we're trying to get more understanding because something inside of us has become awaken, alert it. We all don't have the whole 100% of the information, but the Most High, like Kaviva also said, is doing this thing sovereignly. He doesn't need anyone's help because this is our time. This is an appointed time for us to become awake. And then he's going, he's teaching us. That's why he's raising up teachers. In Daniel, in the book of Daniel, it said that in the latter days, that um, knowledge shall increase, many teachers would arise and they begin to teach. And this is what's happening. The Most High is causing people to wake up and to begin to teach and to research and, to, and people are learning and they're coming into an understanding perfect in line with what the Father originally intended as part of bringing us up out of all the lands, not just the United States of America, but in all the lands where he dispersed his original Hebrew people and their descendants. So with that being said, these feasts that Sister Karen so eloquently laid out to us are those appointed feasts that the original Hebrew Israelites kept. And it is some of these feasts that they didn't keep properly and other disobediences that got us into this situation in the first place. So I believe this time the Father wants to get it right. He wants us to get it right. And then I'm going to go ahead and um, let Seth bring us into that break. And we want you to, when we come back from the break, we really want questions, we want comments, and uh, we want feedback, because when we come back, after those questions and comments, 
we're going to start going into how important these feasts are for us today as Hebrews that are awakening. So um, go ahead, Seth. We can go into that break. Well, I appreciate that, Sister Eliana, and I hope you all are enjoying this as much as I am. Again, uh, tonight's topic is introduction to keeping the feast days as Israelites in Christ. You listen to Five Smooth Stones Network. I'm Brother Seth. We have in the house Sister Karen, who did a wonderful job earlier laying out those seven feasts. Sister Eliana is kind of coordinating it all, again, with support from Sister Kaviva, who did very well, uh, very good as well with her explanation of of, of, um, of her comments earlier. I really appreciate your sisters. I thank you all for coming on. It's a nice show, wonderful show, and folks, we'll be right back.
um, or comments. You may just have some comments. Uh, it's not a problem. And uh, Sister Eliana, your line is now open. Sister Kaviva Dali, your line is open. And Sister Karen Osborne, your line is now open. Uh, Sister Eliana, it's in your hands. Okay, yes. And I want to encourage anybody that's listening tonight, if you have had a question and you felt that any information shared kind of gave you a little bit more clarity, please, please, your question or your comment will speak volumes to other listeners that are listening live tonight and also people that are going to be listening through the archives later on. So if you are out there and you just heard the the discussion and the description before the break and then the discussion around that before the break and you want to just make a comment, please go ahead and push one and your hand will go up and then we will be able to um, listen to your comments. So if you, we'll give you just a few minutes to do that before we move on with the other uh, panel guests that are with us tonight. So if you're out there again and you were moved, don't be shy. Go ahead. This is a time to get understanding. And, um, you know, no, there's, no, there's no question that's not important and there's no wrong. So go ahead and uh, and push, press one so we can and hear the, the comments. And Sister Eliana, it looks like we did get a hand to go up. But again, this is the time, folks, because we're about to let these sisters roll with it, and then we're going to hold off questions until they're done. So this will be the time to ask. We do have a hand up. I'll go ahead and come to you, Erico, 513602. Go ahead with your question or your comment. If I can get your name and the city you're calling from, please. Good evening. This is Arlene in uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I want to say hello, shalom to these wonderful ladies. Well, thank you. Well, good. Hi. Well, shalom, sister. Good to hear your voice, sister Arlene. What's your question or comment you have for the sisters tonight? Well, I am, um, you know, just being a part of just all that's going on and the change and being a, a member of the church, you know, raised up in the traditional teachings and whatnot, Sister Eliana alluded to earlier, just about the traditional things that we've been taught, the different holidays and things that we celebrated, you know, the days we worship and all that kind of stuff that's been indoctrinated in us. You know, I was just was thinking just about the uh, analogy, I guess, with Israel being in captivity in Egypt and having four generations born and raised there and how they picked up the ways of Egypt. You know, they didn't keep the feast in Egypt. You know, they were connected because they were, you know, in bondage and servitude together. That sort of kept them together. But, you know, there was a lot of things they weren't able to do because they were in captivity, you know, and they took on a mentality of their oppressors because they were taught many things there. Many, like I said, four generations of people learned how to view God, how to view the world while they were in captivity. And what I wanted to do was to encourage people who are traditional Christians, like myself, who are being awakened and stirred by the Holy Spirit, to trust that process. Everybody is not like you and Sister Eliana where You've gotten a revelation, and you are living by faith, trusting 
you know, that he's confirming this word to you, and that's a wonderful thing, you know. Uh, but for some of us, we're just going step by step. We're being led through the wilderness, slowly having that slave mentality washed away, slowly getting a revelation, you know, step by step by step by the Holy Spirit who's leading us. And drawing us into that life that he wants us to have. You know, when you talk about having feasts, it's like, wait a minute, I'm celebrating Christmas. You know, I'm celebrating Easter. I'm just being honest. So to let people let go of things that have become traditions, it has to be replaced with something. And it also has to be a part of a spiritual movement. Uh, Knowledge is good. And if you get a realm of revelation of it, it will lead to change. But sometimes you also have to allow the Holy Spirit to take that person to sort of cleanse their mind of those traditions and to walk them through a process like he did Israel. You know, he led them into the wilderness. Now, those that were stubborn and didn't want to change, they died in the wilderness. But he did lead them forward. You know, there were 40 years of wandering and whatnot, but he was teaching them and he was training them, and that's when he gave them the law. That's when he brought them together and unified them as a people and showed them how to serve him. And that's what we all want to do anyway. We think we've learned it in our church. We've done the best we know how. But I just wanted to say we continue to trust the work of the Holy Spirit as he continues to draw us forward and to reveal new things to us. Uh, Sister Kaviva spoke about the dry bones. You know, I believe the dry bones definitely will be resurrected, you know, because the church has become dry. And we need a living word. We need that spirit to put life to those bones and draw them. And we have to prophesy that and speak it out. So I just want to encourage anybody who's feeling uncomfortable, who's feeling like they don't understand what's going on, but who loves God, who really loves him, who wants to serve him and worship him, trust the Holy Spirit to bring you forward because he loves you. He's not going to leave you behind. He's going to carry you forward. He's going to reveal things to you because he wants you to know who you are. He wants you to be a part of that kingdom that he's building and he's putting together. You know, so I just wanted to encourage people, while they may not understand everything they're hearing, trust that the Father, who is uh, the one that they serve, the one we all serve, is going to lead them so that they have the same confidence, the same conviction, and the same resolve that Sister Eliana has, Sister Kaviva, Sister Karen, and, of course, you, said. So that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> oh, that was so wonderful. Thank you so much <laughs> for sharing that because this is, the, this is the kind of feedback that we want to have because, again, this is an introduction, and for some mm-hmm. – it may be brand spanking new to them to hear about these feasts. And, again, as Sister Kaviva was saying, how the, some of the feasts have been replaced. Like tabernacles, you know, comes at, uh, comes at the end of the traditional years, coming at the end of this month, and that is dwelling in booths for seven days. But, you know, what the world did is they came in and they put in uh, uh, Halloween and then Christmas. So, you know, these are this is why we don't understand. And then, of course, Passover wasn't taught to us traditionally, so the church brought in, and then the church, you know, brought in Easter, which is very pagan. 
And so as I just love how Starlene brought that out and just was so honest and, and open, and that's <laughs> the kind of questions that we want to hear. We want, I mean, that we want to entertain are the ones that people are really, really just being honest and open tonight because it's going to help so many people when they go back and they listen and say, you know what, I learned so much. Um, I did know then, but the very people that are listening today and in the archives later, I'm going to submit to you that you will be teaching this information um, in the years to come as more and more Hebrews are awakened. The very information, all that you've learned, like Seth said, if you go back and you just avail yourself to listening to as many of those 370-plus shows that have been done, and you really want to know, I submit to you that the Most High will illuminate you. He will anoint you. He will pick you up. He will give you such a deep understanding that you also will be teaching to those awakening Hebrews in the years to come. And that's the purpose of these shows and these times together, these Moed, as, as Kaviva said, Moed are appointed times. The Moedim, this is a Moed or a Moedim that we're all in right now because we're in the middle of the fall feast. We finished one yesterday and we're coming into another one tomorrow. And there are three fall feasts. And there's one coming on the 26th. So this show falls in the middle of a very important appointed time for the Father, and it's no mystery that you're listening and that you're on right now. And as Sister Arlene said, trust the process. You know your God. You know your God. Trust him because, as Sister Kaviva said, he's leading us. As Sister Karen said, these feasts are feasts. He knows, you know, the Father knows how to have fun. He wants us to enjoy, eat, drink, fellowship, laugh, and learn, and learn, and learn. And so all of this is to bring about our learning. It's to bring about our understanding. It is to help us uh, become that people that we are going to, we are destined to become. So, um if there's not another question, if you do have another question, really quick, put your hand up. If not, we're going to let Karen start out again by talking to us about the importance of these feasts for today as Hebrews. Okay, well, hold on, sister. Uh, 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 hold on, make sure that I just thought I saw a hand go up. Again, if you have any question or comment briefly before the sisters continue, now be the time because we're going to let them roll for a while. And sister, Ellie, uh, sister Arlene, your line is still up. Did you want to have to say anything? No, that's all I had to say. I'm enjoying the program, though. Okay, well, good to hear from Sister Arlene. Again, any questions or comments, one more last call before the sisters, Sister Karen and Sister Kaviva do their thing. I'm really enjoying this. Okay, I don't see any hands going up. Again, press 1 right now, whoever it is. Uh, y'all have to bear with me. I'm having to scroll up and down. Okay, here we go. We got a hand that went up. I thought I saw that. All right, area code. Nine one. Hold on, bear, bear with me, y'all. This board is a little slow. Okay, Erica, nine one six, nine nine seven. Go ahead with your question or comment, but let us know your name and what city you're calling from. Yes, hi. Praise the Lord. This is Apostle Roxy, and um, hi, Apostle I Roxy. Only... Welcome to Fast Stone Network. 
thank you. God bless. And um, I'm so thankful for this show and for this teaching. And I'm a dear friend of Eliana's. And um, she and I have been talking back and forth about some things. Um, And I just wanted to say that I'm really enjoying the show. I was only able to get this last 30 minutes. But I have my own radio show, and what I'd like to do is invite you all to come, and perhaps we can do um, a series. Um, It probably wouldn't be until next year where we could get the series on, the series going, but what I'd like to do is have you on as guests just to do an introduction and then come the next year when I have the calendar clear because I don't want to start and finish, you know, and then – yeah, so anyway, I think the new year would be a good time to start the series. Amen. So I just wanted to let you know I was listening. I love you, and um, I appreciate this so much. Amen. And it is so needed. It is so needed. We need this teaching for people to get the revelation of um, the true kingdom of God and what God wants to do um, as we prepare for Christ's return. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Go ahead, I'm sorry. (laughs) No, I was just thanking uh, the last person so much for those 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 words of encouragement. Um, I I would like to say that I would like to encourage those to not be afraid of embracing truth. Right. Um, Yes. God is. so awesome that he he lays a foundation, but he does new things as well. He says, "I'll do a new thing." So once once we've got the basic things, the the sky is the limit. God's knowledge and what He wants to teach us is just you don't have words for it. So. I know traditionally there's some things that we just close our minds to, but I encourage everyone to not be afraid of of, of, of the gospel, that there's great, great things. So with, with that said, um, I, I guess you want me to continue with um, part B of, of how, it, how the speech is late yes. to us. Is that where you want yes, to go? Yes, we'd love for you to go ahead and continue in that uh, with that second part because it's really important. And uh, we know we have people listening. Uh, we probably have someone just a little shy that started to press that number one and you took your hand down and, and you thought about pressing one and you didn't. But, um, you know, Sister Karen's going to continue, and so if you feel led, you know, after she lays down a little bit more foundation about how it pertains to us, maybe you'll have the boldness to then ask your question or to give your comment, because, again, these shows are being taped and they are going into an archive, and so you can call it back at any time and listen and listen and share it with other people. So go ahead, Sister Karen. All right, I'm going to... um speak a little bit about sober and how it relates to us. And I know this is very familiar. Um, so, um, again, I'm, I'm talking to the choir, but Passover, it's amazing to me how um, 
we take what is known in the Christian circle as communion all the time. We have no problem taking communion. Uh, some are still doing it on that first Sunday, and, and we're sure to be there on that Sunday because we want to take communion. Well, it amazes me that we were never taught that communion was one aspect of the Passover Seder. And if we were quick to do communion, why was all of the other elements of Passover not taught? That took me to a little history in that all of that was changed through, uh, a lot of it was changed through the Roman Catholic Church. So what we, what we have in our teachings and a lot of our tradition is what man has deemed necessary for us to know in order to keep his position or keep their position of power and wealth. So now that knowledge has covered the land and we have technology, I encourage everyone to get on your computer and dig for the truth. Why do we just take the last supper? Come on now. Come on. A lot of things regarding the feast are just common sense that wasn't common sense to me years ago. Sister Karen, I got to interrupt you. I'm sorry. It's at ten o'clock again. Those that clicked on the link to listen to the show, you're listening to a show because you clicked on the link. You must call the phone line now. Or you'll be disconnected. Okay, we only contracted to ten o'clock. We're gonna run over some tonight. Again, call the phone number quickly, quickly nine one four two zero five 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 nine zero. You got sixty seconds. One more time. Nine one four two zero five 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 nine zero. Go ahead, Sister Karen. Sorry. So with with that said, I'm going to talk a bit about Passover. And if you've ever attended a Passover Seder, S-E-D-A-R, the Seder is a meal that um, is served on Passover, the the day or the night that you uh, celebrate Passover. And the Seder or the meal uh, represents or is symbolic of the things that um, Christ did uh, is a death, burial, and resurrection. Now, uh, traditional um, Jews certainly don't incorporate him in the ceremony or in the meal, but as a believer, a Messianic believer, it just sticks out, as I've said, that every feast point you to Yeshua. So just for a minute, I want to go over some of the elements of what is known as the Seder. The Seder is the meal um, where you are, um, um, you eat. The program is that you read portions of Exodus regarding the Exodus of the Israelites. And I have found that it's a very, very, very long night because there's so many different um, elements. One element in particular that really tells, uh, enhances 
our information, our knowledge of Yeshua is during the ceremony, uh, the rabbi has a three-pocket pouch. And in each pouch, they place uh, the unleavened bread. And one pocket, the bread is broken. And when you look at the bread, it's it's flat. It has holes, and um, it's it, it's striped. Now we know that Christ was pierced. There were stripes placed on his back. So it's easy to see this being the bread of life. This being he being the bread of life. How this represents him, and they hide. They put the, they they hide the 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 bread, the unleavened bread in the pouch, and it's very um, symbolic in that how he was hidden in the grave. We have this the stripes, the piercing of his side, and the the hidden manner in 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 the pouch with with him hidden in the bread. And there is one uh, last uh, pouch that they hide. I'm going to mispronounce it. Y'all help me. It's the it's the dessert part. It's the it's the fun part. They hide it in some place in the building, and the children, hallelujah, are sent out to find it. And it's it represents for me how they sent they, the, the the gospel was sent out to find me to find the 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 the, the hidden part, and and they bring it back. And for the pouch, and they are given money or given some type of prize for finding it, finding Christ. We know that he's never lost, but in my experience, I had to dig. I had to find him. So there are parts of the Seder dealing with the death, burial, and resurrection of Yeshua that sticks out like a sore thumb. There are four cups of wine that are sipped in various portions as you read the Haggadah. That's the story of the Exodus. At certain points, you drink from this cup, and there are four cups. And we are told and we believe that the fourth cup is the cup of sanctification, which Christ, or Yeshua, drank at the Passover Seder that he and his disciples attended. And there's some point, um, there's a setting on the table for Elijah because Elijah has gone away and they are praying that he comes back, that he comes back again. And, uh, you know, we're, we're taught about John the Baptist and relating it to the coming, to the coming. And so they open the door and they're inviting, hallelujah, the spirit of Elijah to come and be a part of this meal. So Passover, uh, as you celebrate it, is very instrumental in understanding the plan of salvation and the atonement. It's all about the atonement and how uh, it's disturbing how uh, the powers that be have substituted this. We will celebrate Easter, which is a pagan holiday. We buy Easter eggs and we will we'll dye them, we'll buy clothes and we'll do all of this for a 
pagan holiday, many of us not even aware that it's pagan. Stop and look at Passover. This was commanded by God. He said to do it for every generation. It was a perpetual um, feast. It was something that according to Leviticus and according to Deuteronomy 14, you were to do it year after year after year. You can't get any plainer than that. If you believe the word of God for some things, you have to eat the whole roll. That's where I'm not saying that Passover celebrating it is going to save you, but just like you take the last supper in commemoration to remember Passover helps us to be aware of what Christ did or what Yeshua did on the tree. Now, there is also another, um, and I'm open for comments. Anyone want to add to that? Well, I'm looking at the phone lines, and I don't see a hand up again. Anyone with a question? Uh, the uh, Sister Apostle at 916 your hand is still up from earlier. Press 1 if you have a question. Uh, don't do anything. But if you don't have a question or comment, press 1 so your hand will go down, and we won't open up your line. If you do have a question or comment, don't do anything, and I'll open up your line here shortly. But anybody else, quickly, 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 because we want Sister Karen, Sister Kaviva, and Sister Eliana to do do their thing even more um, today, until they're done. Okay? So going once, going twice, the sister hand okay. is still up. Okay, went down. So she, she didn't have a question or comment. All right, sisters, y'all can go right here. Okay, so Sister Karen, I did want to let the people know that, yes, Passover is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful celebration. It is very, very long, and it is the commemoration of the actual events that took place in our in our ancestral uh, exodus from the first Egypt. And, of course, that being said, uh, it is also the blueprint, because remember we talked on another show about the blueprints of what the Father did, before, he will do again, and Seth has always said when he is explaining to people who don't realize that we're the Hebrew Israelites that whatever was commanded, he said they repeat, meaning throughout every generation, these uh, blessings and cursings will repeat upon the, the children of Israel throughout our generations forever until we come to that place where we um, collectively are being brought out and we are going to follow him. So they have been repeating, and so this is uh, what Passover is supposed to do is make us remember, and I think it's really important that we do remember Passover uh, at this time because we are about to come out of the lands of our captivity. Very, very significant. What the Father did once, he will do again. And it is said in Passover, that no longer shall it be said, great is the Lord our God who brought us up out of Egypt. But it will be said, great is the Lord our God who has brought us up out of all of the lands of our um, captivity, our, our lands of dispersion, which is an event that's going to be happening upon us as a people, we as a people, we as a nation, from all the lands of our captivity, I would say this event is going to happen sometime after 
the 400 years has closed in 2019. Uh, We don't know the day, we don't know the time or the hour, but we know that it's going to be an event that the Father has already preordained, spoke of, had the prophets prophesy, and he also told Abraham himself face-to-face when he cut covenant with Abraham that he was going to gather the descendants back uh, from all the lands that he scattered us. So Passover is really important. But I also wanted to say something to the Passover Seder because when Sister Karen was giving the description, she mentioned the rabbi. We understand that, um, well, we know, if you don't know, the word rabbi simply means teacher. But in our tradition of church and also as Hebrew Israelites, we do not call any of our teachers rabbis. So that understanding comes directly out of the Jewish community, the Ashkenazi Jews or the um, Eastern European Jewish people who are represented in the land today who are not the biblical Hebrew people. However, they are keeping our traditions. They are keeping those commandments and and, um, traditions that the Most High set for us as a people. And I want to say this because if you are doing research and you are invited or you have been invited to a Passover Seder and found all of the um, inferences, as, as Sister Karen was talking about, how it relates to the Messiah is very pop, is very powerful, yet they in that community do not understand it or make the connection to the Messiah as we as Bible-believing Messianic Hebrews or Hebrew Israelites would do understanding that the Messiah came, you're going to find some elements on that Seder table that don't belong there. And so I wanted to say that there are two elements that you will find on a Seder table if you go with another community in keeping the Passover, and these two do not belong there. And one is... um, the Most High said that the, the Seder should be kept in remembrance with a, a lamb shank, bitter herbs, uh, with um, something that, uh, that reminds the brick and the mortar, which is um, it's, it's, um, sweet. it's called haroset. I, I didn't want to say the word because um, I know people wouldn't understand the word, but it it's, it's reminds them of the brick and the mortar of Egypt and, the, and putting together those pyramids. And the term is called haroset, but um, those, and then there's also salt water that represents our tears, the, the tears of the Hebrew people, the bitter herbs for the strife and the bitterness and what we suffered as a people, and, of course, the lamb shank, which represented the atonement, the blood sacrifice of the lamb that was put over the doorpost, which also is that um, depiction of Christ coming and dying for the sins of the people, the, the the scripture says the sins of the world. I'm not sure if that was one of those 3,500 manipulations, but maybe it was for the Hebrew people. But that being said, you will find two additional elements on your Seder table if you go and celebrate this particular feast with another community, not being a Hebrew Israelite community. You will find an egg yeah. and you will find an orange. And those two items do not belong on the biblical Passover table. The egg comes out of Babylon, and it is 
that beginning um, introduction to the pagan festival of Easter. Mm-hmm. And the orange is something that has been recently added to the Seder table, and it and it, it is an embracing of the homosexual community. Those two items do not belong on the biblical table of the Most High in, in remembrance and celebration of what the Father has done for us. So I'm saying that because if you go and celebrate, you will no doubt see an egg, and if you see an orange, I would say get up from that Seder table and walk away because those items do not belong on the Lord's um, feast day celebration. So I wanted to just bring that in. Sister Karen, you're doing a wonderful job. And um, Sister Kiva, Eva, do you have anything to add to that? No, uh, what you said was uh, just right on point. And that's what I was going to say about the egg and and what it represented and where did it come from and all of that. But you brought it out already. So, no, I don't have anything. Wow. Wow, that's, that, that's very interesting. I, I knew it did not belong because the word of God that I was reading said that bitter herbs, that's all I saw was bitter herbs. I remember going to a Seder and they removed the shank bone because they added beets because they did not want the brutality of an animal to be demonstrated on the Seder plate, which I, I thought that was very unacceptable. But um, the orange is as well, and I certainly will be mindful. And thank you so much for for that, for letting me know that. Um, uh, the next one, the next piece, I just want to go over. I think I might have mentioned it earlier, but it's the first fruit. And I know right away we're able to relate to the first fruit, and that's the Messiah. Um, was the first fruit, first fruit in, res- <clears throat> in, in resurrection and salvation. Uh, he was the firstborn of Mary, and Yeshua was the first begotten son, uh, the begotten of God the Father. Yeshua is the firstborn of every creature, and um, he was the first uh, begotten from the dead. Just a long list of the first. So the um, the first fruit, which is the way he um, is very um, easy to see, easy to connect with the Messiah. It was on this day that uh, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land which I give to you, and reap its harvest, then ye shall bring a sheep of the first fruit of your harvest to the priest. He shall weigh the sheep before the Lord to be acceptable on your behalf on the day after the Shabbat. The priest shall weigh, uh, shall weigh it. So we do recognize that historically that had to deal with the crossing of the the Red Sea, <clears throat> and the, it was said that um, it, the the harvest had to be the standing harvest of barley, wheat, which was ready to to reap 
to be weak. So um, waving of the sheaves and first fruits certainly relate to uh, Yeshua um, and walking in the newness of life and the fact that uh, Yeshua is going to return uh, to the earth during his second coming as king over there, and he is also going to bring sheep, which are the believers, according to Matthew 13. Um, the next feast that I would like to just mention, um, I don't know, why, why don't we talk about the last one, the Feast of Tabernacles, of Tabernacles, the Sukkot. During this feast is when we relate to the, and I mentioned before, the coming of Yeshua. Each feast in the fall points to the future. He fulfilled the first group. In the second group, he is going to fulfill. There's this feast is also the in-gathering, festival of, of in-gathering, and it's going to bring the nations together. The feast, it's also called the Feast of the Nations, or um, when you're going to be gathered into the tabernacle. It completes the sacred feast. It is the last one. It is a very um, somber time. There's there's trumpets, and uh, it's much like um, the the Day of Atonement. But it also reminds us of the joy. It's called a season of joy Um, because it's a season of repentance and redemption and atonement, all all, it's the last one, so we we are rejoicing that we have our, we've started the new year and our sins are forgiven and we're coming together to rejoice um, with the the, the Savior. Uh, it begins on the fifteenth of the Hebrew month, Tesari, and it concludes on the twenty second. So we get to suppose four to seven days now. This particular feast ends with, and it's called also the eighth day, but it ends with the rewinding, I think, of the Torah. It starts all over again. The reading of the Torah is in such a way that every week there's a section of the Torah that is read in your synagogues are in your, your uh, congregation, and we call it the portions or the portia, and um, certain sections of the prophets uh, are read along with the Torah, and you get to the end of you read the Torah for the whole year, and you get to the last section or the last group of scriptures on that eighth day after um, the in-gathering or the, the Feast of Tabernacles, and we began to read all over again because, remember, we're starting a new year. 
So we always enjoy because we parade the tour around. It's really a, a joyous time and rewind, rewind uh, the tour scrolls. So does anyone have any comments or um, anything to add? Well, Sister yeah, like, uh, Karen, I'd just like to add that I really appreciate what you're saying, and uh, you sisters are really answering. Well, let me just say it like this: I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be um, selfish. You're, you're putting out a lot of information. Some, uh, some things I didn't even know, and I've been in this way for at least 25 years. So y'all are doing a good job, in my opinion. Uh, the phone line is full of people for whatever reason. A lot of some of them have asked questions. Others are just kind of sitting back. A few private callers. So just continue to do your thing. People are listening. All right. Uh, just want to tell you that uh, everybody know to press one, and so they're kind of just sitting back listening. I see you. Uh, all over the country, and then remember those is going to be in the archive to be listening in the future. So, uh, again, I think you're doing a great job. Sister Eliana, anything? Yes, and I just wanted to give clarity. So when Sister Karen said the Torah, so the Torah is really the first five books of your Bible. It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It is called the Torah because it is the – it's actually the meat <laughs> – where our nation was born, how our nation was born, uh, the father cut covenant with Abraham, and he told him that he would make him the father of many nations. And the Hebrew people come out of that promise that he promised his wife, Sarah, who was barren at the time, uh, that she couldn't have children. And, of course, if you don't know the story, these people received a promise that they were going to have a child, and in their custom, in their day, um, if you didn't have a child, what you did is you took on a, uh, a concubine or a, a, a handmaiden or servant, in other words, and you could give that, a woman could give her servant, her personal servant, to her husband for him to perform a little ceremony, a little kind of a marriage, not giving her full rights as a full wife, but giving her the right to sleep with her husband in or for the purpose of procreation and bearing children if that woman was barren. And those children would be thought of as the full legal wife of the man and the woman. And so that's what happened. Abraham and Sarah were told they were going to have a child. They were probably in their 40s or 50s when the word came down, but as they began to age and they saw that this wasn't happening, uh, they decided to go and act with what was popular, with the popular of the day. Today it's unthinkable, you know, it's unthinkable that a woman that can't have a child would tell her husband, you know, would get some young woman in the house and say, you know, you can sleep with her and the child that would come from that is ours. We don't do that. In this culture, we don't do it. So it's unthinkable. But in, in, in those days, that was the custom of the day. And so they did that. And so this, this, this Egyptian woman, who was also a slave to Sarah, uh, was given the permission to be that concubine to Abraham for the purpose of bearing a child. So when that child was born, it was, yes, Abraham's firstborn seed. It was the first child that he sired out of his loins, out of his body. But it wasn't the one that the father said he would give to Abraham with his wife. So 
if you didn't know the backdrop of that story, that's what happened. So, But later, you know, God had told Abraham, I'm going to do this thing for you. But when he chose to do it so that nobody would get the credit, he waited until Sarah was, like, really old. Like, she was 98 when he when the word came down that next year she's going to have a baby at the age of 99. And, and, and Abraham was uh, uh, 99. And uh, when they when that child came forth, they were respectively uh, 199. Uh, he was 100, she was 99 when she gave birth. So that God wanted to be able to say, hey, you guys didn't have the power to do this thing. I did. And, and so saying all that to say, the Hebrew children, the Hebrew nation comes from that seed, that seed that the Most High promised to give to Sarah and to Abraham. Now, when Isaac was a certain amount of years old, the father challenged Abraham to sacrifice him and take him to the mountain and to offer him up as a sacrifice. God was testing Abraham's heart, spirit, obedience, and faith. And Abraham, you know, not really having the full plan, said, yeah. And he took his son up. But if you know the story or not, the father said, Abraham, it's enough. It's enough. I see you're obedient. I'm going to do this thing for you. And he provided another sacrifice, a ram. And that's where, you know, you hear in your churches the ram in the bush. And uh, and so the father said, don't hurt the child. You don't have to sacrifice your son. I have a ram. And it's not that God ever really wanted him to sacrifice his son in a physical way, but he just wanted to see if Abraham was would be obedient enough or willing. And so by providing that ram, that was sacrificed, we understand that the the father also told Abraham, because you sacrificed your son, I'm going to sacrifice mine, but this is going to be a physical sacrifice, and it's going to make atonement for your people and for the world, for the nations of the world. And so we believe we come out of that line. We understand we come out of that lineage and out of that covenant and out of that promise as a nation of people. Now, when Sarah died, Abraham did have another wife, a full legal wife. It wasn't Hagar, the Egyptian slave. It was another woman, another woman from another uh, uh, black tribe, and her name was Keturah, and they had five sons who also became very great. They became great people. One of the sons was Median, which is in the story of Moses coming out before he goes back in to, re- to release his people and to speak to Pharaoh, he actually went into the land of one of his relatives, the priest of Median, and married a distant cousin the Mede- from the Medianite people from that son of his great-grandfather, Abraham. So all this, you know, the, the, I'm saying all this to say all of these things tie in, yet they were, you know, maybe hundreds of years apart. And that's why we want the, our, our, our Hebrew people to have a real understanding here in the diaspora that just because it's been 400 years or five or 600 years and we've been disconnected, it doesn't mean that the Father who sits in the heaven has lost the thread of the story. He hasn't lost the thread, and all of these things are important. So these feasts that that we're talking about tonight relate very much to what's about to happen again on the earth 
this great exodus from all the nations, these were the foreshadowing. They actually were physical happenings, but they were they are designed to give us hope and courage that what the Father did once, he will actually do again. And we are the privileged generation to be able to walk through it. Whereas our forefathers and ancestors in slavery talked about a time of deliverance. They called Harriet Tubman Black Moses. They didn't even have to add the word black because Moses was black. But they called her Black Moses. A lot of the songs that the slaves sang were Zion songs. They talked about it. Even Dr. Martin Luther King talked about being on the mountain, coming into the promised land, the grain of us being a Hebrew people and being restored, redeemed, and brought forth has been in the fiber of our nation collectively since we were brought to these shores. The Father has weaved a tapestry of hope. And coming into when when we were allowed to read and we understood that the scripture and all that the Messiah did for us, we knew that we saw ourselves in those pages. We knew that when we read those Old Testament stories, it just rang so true with us because we are the descendants of the people in the pages of this book that we call the Bible. So the word Torah is the first five books of written by Moses, which is the foundation of our and the and the and the actual um, um, re- recording of our nation becoming a nation under the direction of the Most High back in those days. So that's when Sister Karen said the word Torah. I want everyone to understand it means the first five books of Moses or the book of the law, and then the other part uh, of it is called the uh, Tanakh, which is the prophets all the things that were prophesied, and then the writings that were talked about during the time when Israel was a physical nation. So giving you that understanding will help you read the scripture. Now, the New Testament, or what we call the Brit Hadashah, or the New Covenant, was the fulfillment of what Moses said back in Deuteronomy about the Father raising up from among you uh, 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 from your brethren, a prophet such as me, which he was re- referencing uh, the Messiah. And then when the Messiah walked the earth, the, all of, if you read and really study and really, really take the time to run reference, you're going to see that the Brit Hadashah, or the New Testament, or the New Covenant, is almost 99% of the retelling of the Old Testament in the teachings of the people. It was the retelling, and so, but it was also the confirmation of the Messiah coming and being the fulfillment of those things that have been prophesied. So it all works together, and there is no break. And, and like, you know, we talked about earlier, uh, believing the whole uh, Bible is one counsel of the Father and the word of the Most High. Yes, it all runs reference together because it's one thread. It's one thread that has been weaved over the passage of time throughout history, but it's talking about the story of our people, and now we're coming to the point of our redemption. So I wanted to bring that out, so if anyone had a question about that word Torah, it just means those first five books, which are the meat 
It's where we got all of our commandments, our, our marching orders, our understanding as a nation, our rules and our regulations come out of those first five books. Kind of If I may have a question, whenever you come to a pause, just let me know when. Okay, so I was actually coming to a pause, and it, I was gonna, I was saying that it's the same when the father dropped it into Brother Seth's spirit about the five smooth stones can be likened to the five books of Moses, each one having a significance, but telling the tale of who we are as a people and laying the foundation of our nation. Yes. Well, someone actually just hit me up on, you know, I share this show, and someone in uh, the group called Real Intense Bible Discussion said these words, from a gentleman by the name of R. Theo Oxford, he'll be glad I shared his name on this show. But he asked this question, how do you learn that today is the Day of Atonement? I was told it was on Thursday, and can you hit that a little bit? Because there is some discrepancies, like Demona will be celebrating one day, and and then we'll be in the state celebrating another day. Most of the time, we're on the same point, just like the sister was saying earlier. Sister Karen was saying, or Sister Karen can even ask, answer this. She mentioned the New Year's being a. Uh, uh, Rosh Hashanah, whereas the Israelites, most of us acknowledge, you know, the new moon and, and of course, the, the barley ripeness. The scripture says this will be your new year. We So we look at that around April. Can I address that? And, and I, I would say just briefly that the most important thing is to get our people to understand we need to be keeping the feast days, and we may not always agree. This is just Seth's Seth answer, but then I want you to ask Sister Eliana, Sister Karen, and Sister Kaviva, even if she wants. But I would just say this because it's very discouraging sometimes. I remember Arling and I and the, and the kids got ready to go and we was going to go celebrate. I think it was Tabernacles, Feast of Tabernacles, and we got to the service and there was nobody there. And so can you uh, address that, uh, the discrepancies with the actual times, especially New Year? And this brother was asking him again about the Day of Atonement, please. All right, I, I'm going to defer that uh, to to someone else, but I am aware that the calendar makes a big difference. Um, I, I'm going right. to defer to someone okay. else. It, it has to do with the calendar. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was going to say that there is um, there is a discrepancy because we have to remember when long before we actually went into captivity before we were taken through, you know, Deuteronomy 28:68 kicked in that verse that you'll again be taken to Egypt in ships and they're going to put a rod of iron before that happened remember Israel uh came under some persecution and a lot of the um um Israelites left the area they left and they were not in Jerusalem proper they had migrated on into West Africa so in the time where Jerusalem was kind of left a little bit in a in a in a state where there were no gatekeepers, there were no Hebrew Israelite gatekeepers. Others were in the land, and another thing that happened is they went into that land, into our our homeland, and I believe that the Romans were ruling at that time. There was a lot of power, and so they took a lot of the information. They took our writings, they took our history. They took 
um, our, you know, the, 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 the things out of the temple, and those things ended up in Europe. They ended up in, like, um, it was who was saying, uh, Sister Kaviva, the Catholic Church. Those things ended up. So what happened is, as the scripture said, they will think to change times and seasons. And so when they began to put together their calendar, they on purpose – because I know it couldn't be an accident, because we have to remember there's another grain that we never really talk about, but we know exists. We have an adversary, which is called the devil, the serpent, the dragon. Remember, he was in heaven, and he understood. He was also in the garden. And so he knew that if we don't keep our appointments with the most ties, just like with any appointment, that's where we get our system of appointments. If you have an appointment and you miss your appointment and you come in at any time, you cannot be seen. You have to make a new appointment. And so when they changed the calendar because they knew we were going to we were in exile in a sense and then we also were going to go into captivity and while we were out of the land they were able to recreate a calendar which put dates and times off kilter now that the father is beginning to awaken his hebrew uh israelite um leaders and 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 movement again uh, scholars have come forward and they've recognized that there have been changes in the date and in the calendar, and they have been going back to try to keep it on the or as close to the date as they can from the the um, original uh, where the father set the new moon and the, like what you were saying set how the father taught Israel how to know the beginning of their months by the new moon. Um, that sliver of moon that comes out and becoming the first part of the month. So our scholars, a lot of our Hebrew Israelite scholars are more wise and knowledgeable in this area and probably are keeping it closer to the correct date. But here in this diaspora, we are following the Jewish calendar, which we did not realize until recently we should not be following their calendar. But this was the only calendar provided to us, in the diaspora. So now Mr. that Eliana. we know that we have brothers and sisters living in the land, it really is a good idea for us to connect with them to get the information because the Father is restoring and he's restoring things correctly to Israel that are important so we do not miss his appointed times. We do not miss his feasts. Uh, and, he, uh, and he understands that even in our, you know, we disconnected, we lost connection with our land, we lost connection with those days. So the Father's not angry with us in that kind of a way. But what he praises us for and he's applauding us for making the effort, making the effort to to try to come back to being uh, responsible and obedient to the things that he commanded us. As we make that effort, he will perfect that effort. As Arlene said earlier be open you know because the father will perfect this in us but what he's looking for is our obedience and again we can't even fault ourselves because we're just waking up we are just starting to come alive and activate as those dry bones so when we we may not have it perfect perfect but the fact that we recognize it and we understand it that we're supposed to keep it 
that's where the Father gives us the credit or the E for effort and will spur us on to the better and the better works and the good works. Amen. Can you? Sister Eliana, just briefly before Sister Kavika, I I second that what you just said. Amen to that, uh, because folks, remember we are new. We don't want to come off as though we're know-it-all experts. This is a very new process. We're coming out of uh, Catholicism and, and all types of evil practices and evil beliefs and deception and ignorance and lies and. So we're coming together. Ezekiel 37 is happening before your eyes, and so just know that uh, we may defer on the days from here and there. We, you may see some inconsistencies, but don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. The, the 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 bigger picture is keeping the feast days. You know, this is our infrastructure. This is how we should look. But go ahead, Sister Kaviva, please. No, I just wanted to make a small uh, uh Correction. I think I think Sister Eliana meant we were uh, following the Gregorian calendar. Uh, I think you said something in there that we were following the Hebrew calendar, and God is you know helping us change it. And I think you meant Gregorian. I'm not sure. No, I said Sister Eliana. What? No, what I what I said was in regards to us keeping the the biblical feast, we're following the Jewish calendar. In in the United okay. States, we're right, the Gregorian calendar in our you know uh, in our holidays and in our our um, you know our seven day calendar week, we're following the Gregorian here in the United yes. States. But when right. it comes to us, once we start waking up to understanding we're Hebrews and we begin to um, feel you know called to keep the feast, we are then looking into the Jewish calendar for the dates of those feasts, and that calendar is not correct. Because right. they are okay. not, gotcha. they're basing because, okay. their head of the year at a different time than what the scripture commanded um, our nation to keep, which is um, like the head of the year, like I believe Seth said, was more in April. But now that we have brothers and sisters that have been transplanted back into the land and have begun to... Um, obey the Father in that way, the Father is actually causing them to follow and keep the the feast on the appointed times, the, the original appointment that the Father has set aside. They're beginning to do the research and realize that the European Jewish feast day calendar is off. It's not, it's not, the, those aren't the correct dates. But the biblical calendar is in Scripture, and so we can go into it. Sometimes, you know, the Scripture says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, and it is the glory of kings to search it out. Now, everything we need to know is really in the Scripture. But because we don't know the customs and we're waking up and we're learning from the lands of our captivity, the days, the way to to track the days, is in the scripture. It's in those first five books. But when we read them and we try to apply it from our current understanding and our educational um, mindset from being in the diaspora, we, you know, it's telling us to look at the moon. It's telling us what to do. But when we try to apply that out, it just seems like it's a lot of work. 
Well, you know, the father took the guesswork out. He actually has men and women that he has sent ahead of us, and they have perfected that calendar for us. But as we become obedient and just begin to take one step, someone said it, if you keep one mitzvah, I believe Sister Kaviva said, when you begin to keep one commandment, the, the word mitzvot or mitzvah means commandment. When you begin to keep one commandment, God will help you to keep the others. It's, it's, he's looking for, like what he said to Abraham, go sacrifice your son. He doesn't want the death of Isaac or the blood of Isaac on the altar. What he's looking for is, is the father going to be willing to give all to follow me? And that's what he's looking for. So when we say, God, I'm going to follow you, and we begin to keep those commandments, we begin to keep the feast, even if it's the wrong time, the Father says, my people are ready to follow me. Because remember, that was the whole issue with our ancestors anyway in the wilderness. They weren't willing to follow him. And when they got into the land, they weren't willing to follow him. So what he's asking us to do that are waking up, will you follow me? So when we begin to try to keep the feast or when we begin to keep them, he knows that we're the, these calendars are off, but he's gonna. That's why he said he's gonna gather us into the wilderness and he's gonna perfect us there. He's not nervous. See, the father is not nervous about what we don't know or what we aren't doing correctly. He's just looking for that obedience. And as we, as we show him that we are willing and obedient, then we will eat the good of the land. So that's what he's looking for in this day. Are we going to be more obedient than our ancestral forefathers who came out? And we are at a point where I believe he allowed this chastisement to be so deep. We are ready. I believe we are really, truly ready to follow the Father. We are not for no shenanigans as a people. I believe our nation is tired of the chastisement. We're tired of all that's happened to us, the killings, the lack of respect, the loss of jobs, the loss of our income, wages, our children. We are ready to follow the Father. And I believe God has gotten himself a people, and he's bringing more along the way that are going to be open, as Sister Arlene said, as Sister Karen said, don't be afraid of the process, don't be afraid of truth, to embrace truth. Um, as Sister Kaviva said, we're, we're the dry bones coming together. As Seth said, it doesn't matter if we don't do everything right. We might split hairs on this or that point. The, the fact is we're ready. We're coming to a readiness. And I believe the Father sees our heart. He sees our heart, and he knows that we're ready. And so that's what he's looking for. That's going to get us to the day of repentance the, and, and where he, we're going to repent before him correctly as a nation not just individual, but as a nation, and that's when he's going to start making a preparation for Exodus. And I know we're coming to the end of our time together, and so um, I know Brother Seth is going to be asking us to have our final thoughts and wrap up, but I wanted to say thank you so much for everyone who listened. Thank you so much, yes. Karen, for coming in with, with such wonderful, deep, and beautiful teaching, and especially around the perfection, uh, around the pr- um, perspective of Christ Church, because a lot of our Hebrews are still in that place, and they need to hear it from that perspective. Thank you, Sister Kaviva, for 
bringing in that deeper knowledge and that um, scholarly wisdom about where we're at. I want to thank Sister um, Arlene for coming in and just being open and just laying it out on the table where so many people can relate. And thank you so much, Seth, for giving us this platform tonight to be able to start this conversation and to introduce these very important uh, Moedim, pointed times, that the Father is wanting to meet with his people. So I wanted to say thank you so much, everyone who's been a part tonight. And thank you, Sister Roxanne, for calling in um, and inviting us even to a greater uh, venue on your radio show coming up in the future. Thank you so much. I'm going to leave it to well, well, sisters, and I really appreciate everybody coming on, and I'll wrap this show up here briefly. Thank you, Sister Eliana. I think y'all did a wonderful job. Y'all got a lot of information, and I tried to hold my tongue as much as I could to allow more information, more information. So I think anybody like the brother that asked the question earlier, I hope I think you answered this question and more. Uh, I think y'all don't know what we'll do next week. Again, thank you, Sister Eliana, uh, Sister Kaviva, and Sister Karen, okay? Thank you. Thank you All for right, having so. us. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, as we say in Hebrew, Toda Rabah. Thank you very much. So anyway, <laughs> Sister uh, Eliana Linus is muted, Sister Kaviva as well as Sister Karen Osborne. I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this show. Uh, Sister Eliana is a friend of mine on Facebook. If y'all want to get a hold of her. Um, oh, Hold on, let's make sure, let's just go back to bring Sister Eliana back for one more. Sister Eliana, hopefully you're still there. Are you still there? I'm here. Can you do me a favor and, and, and take and give us a prayer, then we'll go out with a song, please. If you could just uh, just, just uh, uh, pray for the listeners and, and what it's went forth and that they would, it would fall on good ground uh, by the Ruach for sure. Yes. Father, we thank you tonight for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for the opportunity to be a part of a teaching for your people. We know that the work that you're doing in the earth is great, and we are just small, lowly servants. And we thank you that you have given us this platform and you favored us and allowed us to be able to share the information that we have learned. We pray that everyone listening would be enlightened, inspired, motivated, transformed, changed, Father, because you're doing a greater work. And we thank you for just being a part of this great work, a very small part of a very great work. We thank you that the words that we that were spoken, the teaching, the understanding that Sister Karen brought forth would go deep in the hearts and the minds of your people, cause them to have more of a greater hunger to study, to search it out further. Thank you for the insight, the wisdom, and the um, ruach and the anointing that was upon Sister Kaviva to bring forth even more greater enlightenment. Thank you for the questions that came forth from Brother Seth and from Sister Arlene, the very transparency there. Father, we thank you that everyone listening tonight and those that will listen by archive will have a sense of deliverance, will be delivered, will come to another level in you and a greater understanding for their family, for their households, for their lives. 
Father, we thank you. We want to do business with you this time as a nation, and we want to do it correctly. We don't ever want to go through anything like what we've been through anymore. We want to come before you with our hearts really open and our minds made up. We know that Messiah Yeshua came as prophesied to save his people, but we have to get right with our God. And, Father, we are here tonight to learn how to get right with you in every way. Thank you tonight. Let this word fall on good ground. Let it take root. Let it germinate. Let it bring forth fruit after its kind. In the mighty name of Yahushua HaMashiach, Jesus, our great Messiah, we give you praise and glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Yah of Israel. Thank you, sister. I appreciate everything. All right, folks, that was Sister Eliana Batya, all the way from Mercy, California. As, uh, so we just thank the sisters. I don't know if we'll do a part two or if we'll do another show on this next week. Y'all just stay tuned to Five Smooth on. Listen, love every single one of y'all, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. Good night. Thank uh-huh.
to the Father when we say to Him, All I want is You. We live in a nation that seems to want to turn its back on God, but there's a people who are crying out and saying, All I I'm not after the blessings, I'm not after the things, I'm after the presence of God. All I want. Because when you get God, you get everything else that you need. All I want is you, Lord. You can seek after things but miss God, but if you seek after God, the things will come. 